After reciting the Tashahud, Ta'awuz and Surah Al-Fatiha, Hazrat Khalifatul Masih V, Ayyadahullahu Ta'ala bin Israhil Aziz stated that February 20th is specially commemorated in the Ahmadiyya Muslim community with regards to the prophecy of Muslim old, i.e. the promised reformer. And the Jamaats also hold jalsas, i.e. gatherings in commemoration of Muslim old day. And although I have previously explained this particular matter on several occasions, but I will clarify it again for those who have newly joined and for the children, that we do not celebrate the birth of Hazrat Khalifatul Masih II radiallahu ta'ala anhu, i.e. the promised reformer on Muslim old day. Rather, it is commemorated in regards to the fulfillment of a prophecy, a prophecy which was made by the promised Messiah alayhi salatu wassalam, as per divine revelation to prove the superiority and the truthfulness of Islam. This prophecy was made three years prior to the birth of Hazrat Musleh anhu, and contained a glad tiding regarding the promised son, i.e. Musleh who was to be a great servant of Islam. And this prophecy was to serve as a sign for the opponents. Yesterday was February 20th and hence 134 years have passed since this prophecy was announced. And this has been serving as a brilliant sign for more than a hundred years. But in any case, as I mentioned earlier, that Jamaats also hold jalsas, i.e. gatherings in this regard. And various aspects of the prophecy 
and the various attributes of the promised reformer, i.e. Muslim mode that are mentioned in the prophecy, are elaborated in these jalsas to some extent. However, it is not possible to elaborate upon all the various aspects and its true significance and how magnificently this prophecy was fulfilled within one or two hours. Therefore, if an entire jalsa cannot encompass all these aspects, then it is certainly even more impossible to elaborate all of the various aspects in just one single sermon. And so I decided that I should present some quotes regarding those aspects and the details of which have been elaborated by Hazrat Muslim anhu himself. Moreover, to read and to listen to what Hazrat Muslim anhu has written in his own words has its own particular delight and unique feeling. But in any case, even through these brief quotes one can gauge how immense this prophecy is and with what brilliance it was fulfilled in the person of the promised son of the promised Messiah alayhi salatu wassalam. However, before doing so, I will first present the words of the prophecy as mentioned by the promised Messiah alayhi salatu wassalam. Whilst informing his opponents of his prophecies, the promised Messiah alayhi salatu wassalam states in regards to the prophecy of the promised son, i.e. Muslim old, the promised Messiah alayhi salatu wassalam states, that the first prophecy which God, the merciful and noble, the magnificent and high, who has power to do all that he wills, glory be to him and exalted be his name, addressed me in a revelation and stated that I confer upon you a sign of my mercy according to what you begged of me. So I have heard your entreaties and have honoured your prayers with my acceptance through my mercy, and made your journey, i.e. the journey to Hashiarpur and Ludhiana, a source of blessings for you. Therefore, a sign of power, mercy, nearness is bestowed on you, a sign of grace and beneficence is awarded to you, and you are granted the key of success and victory. Peace on you, O victorious one. Thus did God speak so that those who desire life may be rescued from the grip of death, and those who are buried in the graves may come out of them, and so that the superiority of Islam and the dignity of God's word may become manifest unto the people, so that the truth may arrive with all its blessings and falsehood may flee with all its ills. and so that people may understand that I am the Lord of power, I do whatever I will, that is, that Allah the Almighty is most powerful and can do whatever He wills, and so that they may believe that I am with you. Allah the Almighty stated to the promised Messiah, alayhi salatu wassalam, 
that so that they may believe that I am with you, and so that those who do not believe in God and deny and reject his religion and his book and his holy messenger Muhammad wasallam, the chosen one, may be confronted with a clear sign and the way of the guilty ones may become manifest. The prophecy further states that rejoice therefore that a handsome and pure boy will be bestowed on you. You will receive an unblemished youth who will be of your seed and will be of your progeny. A handsome and pure boy is coming as your guest. His name is Emmanuel and also Bashir. He has been invested with a spirit of holiness and he is free from all impurity. He is the light of Allah Blessed is he who comes from heaven. He will be accompanied by grace which shall arrive with him. He will be characterized with grandeur, greatness and wealth. He will come into the world and will heal many of the disorders through his messianic qualities and through the blessings of the Spirit of his holiness. He is the word of Allah, for Allah's mercy and honor have equipped him with the word of majesty. He will be extremely intelligent and perceptive and will be meek of heart, and will be filled with secular and spiritual knowledge. He will convert three into four, and the promised Messiah states that of this the meaning is not clear. The prophecy further states, It is Monday, a blessed Monday, for Zande Dilban Garami Arjmand, Son, delight of the heart, high-ranking, noble, Mazharul Awwale Wal Akhir, Mazharul Haqqe Wal A'la, Ka'annallaha Nazala Minas Sama, a manifestation of the first and the last, a manifestation of the true and the high, as if Allah has descended from heaven. His advent will be greatly blessed and will be a source of manifestation of divine majesty. Behold, a light comes, anointed by God with the perfume of his pleasure. We shall pour our spirit into him and he will be sheltered under the shadow of God. He will grow rapidly in stature and will be the means of procuring the release of those held in bondage. His fame will spread to the ends of the earth and peoples will be blessed through him. He will then be raised to his spiritual station in heaven. This is a matter decreed. Thus, these are the words of the prophecy which speak of his different aspects and of the attributes of the promised son, i.e. Muslim Maud. The promised Messiah performed a chilla, i.e. 40 days of intense prayers in seclusion. And subsequently he received a revelation from Allah the Almighty, the wording of which I have just presented. And whilst describing the location of where this chilla took place and the revelation that the promised Messiah received after the supplications he had offered and on the basis of which the promised Messiah announced the prophecy of the promised reformer, i.e. Muslim Aud, in relation to this, Hazrat Muslim ta'ala anhu states that exactly 58 years ago from today, the prophecy was made. In other words, when Hazrat Muslim ta'ala anhu was mentioning this, 58 years had passed since the prophecy. And Hazrat Muslim states that it was now entering its 59th year. And on the 28th February 1886, in this very city of Hushyarpur, Again, Hazrat Muslim Maud at the time was delivering this sermon from Husharpur. And he states 
that in this very city of Hushyarpur, in a house in front of me, and pointing at it with his finger from where he was standing, he stated that there is a house which at the time was known as an outbuilding, which is a temporary place to stay and not an actual dwelling. In fact, it was an additional building of a chief, similar to annexes built occasionally, so that guests may stay there who arrive unexpectedly, or which is used as a store, or where if need be, animals could also be kept. In other words, it was an additional room, and as Muslim anhu further states, an unknown individual from Qadian, who even the people of Qadian were not fully acquainted with, came here upon witnessing the enmity people harboured towards Islam and the founder of Islam. Hazrat Muslim anhu further states that he came in order to worship his Lord in solitude and seek a sign of his help and succour. He spent 40 days in isolation from others and supplicated before his Lord. And after 40 days of supplications, Allah the Almighty granted him a sign and that sign was that I will not only fulfil the promises I made to you of spreading your name to the corners of the earth, but in order to fulfil this in an even more splendid manner, I will bless you with a son who will possess certain qualities. He will spread Islam to the corners of the earth and explain to the people the verities of the Holy Qur'an. He will be a sign of mercy and grace and he will be endowed with religious and secular knowledge that is essential for the propagation of Islam. Similarly, Allah the Almighty will grant him a long life, so much so that his fame will spread to the corners of the earth. And so, today, in whichever country of the world the Ahmadiyya Jamaat is established, it in fact serves as a means of propagating this prophecy and establishing the grandeur of this great son. When this announcement was published, the opponents started raising objections that what kind of prophecy is this? The claim that anyone can announce that a son will be born to them. And this allegation has also been answered by the promised Messiah himself. And referring to this response, Hazrat Muslim anhu states that when this announcement was published, the opponents started raising a series of objections in relation to this. And so, the promised Messiah published another announcement on the 22nd of March 1886. The opponents raised the objection that how can such a prophecy be deemed reliable which states that a son will be born to him? Because do other people not have sons? In fact, there might be the exceptional case where a person is not granted a son or his only granted daughters. Otherwise, it is common for one to have a son and never is their birth declared to be a particular sign. Hence, even if a son was born to him, i.e. the promised Messiah then why would it prove that a particular sign of God Almighty had been manifested in the world through this means? And so, replying to this objection of the people, the promised Messiah wrote in the announcement of 22nd March that this is not merely a prophecy, 
Rather, it is a magnificent heavenly sign, which God the Benevolent and Most Sublime has manifested in order to establish the truth and grandeur of our benevolent, kind and merciful Prophet Muhammad the Chosen One Then in the same announcement, the Promised Messiah wrote that by the grace and blessings of God and owing to the blessings of the seal of the Prophet God Almighty accepted this humble one's supplication and promised to send such a blessed spirit whose external and internal blessings will be spread in the entire world. Hazrat Muslim Anhu then further states that if the promised Messiah had simply proclaimed to have a son, even then it would have been considered a prophecy in its own right, because there are people in the world that even though they may be very few, but who do not have any children at all. Secondly, the promised Messiah was over 50 years of age when he made this announcement. And there are thousands of people in the world who cannot have children after the age of 50. And also, there are some who only have girls. Then, there are some who may have a son, but the child passes away shortly after its birth. And so, Hazrat Muslim anhu states that all these factors apply to the promised Messiah as well. Therefore, Firstly, no individual has the power to predict the birth of a son. But even if this objection is accepted, the promised Messiah stated that even if one were to accept the fact that predicting the birth of a son cannot be deemed as a prophecy, however, the question arises that when did I share the news of only a son being born? The promised Messiah states that I did not simply claim that a boy will be born to me, Rather, I stated that God Almighty had accepted my supplications and that He had promised me to send a blessed spirit whose internal and external blessings will spread throughout the entire world. And as mentioned earlier, that the whole world is a witness that this promised son, i.e. Muslim Maud, attained fame across the earth and every one of the foreign missions outside of India and Qadian are evidence of his truthfulness. There are numerous missions which were established during the time of Hazrat Muslim anhu, and this is continuing till today. Then there were some people who raised the objection that the birth of the promised son, a Muslim was to take place much later on, perhaps after one, two, or three hundred years, elaborating on the fact that why the promised Messiah prayed for this sign. And why did it need to be fulfilled during the lifetime of the Promised Messiah Hazrat Muslim states in regards to this that some people claim that the birth of the Promised Son a Muslim will take place in the future progeny of the Promised Messiah perhaps three or four hundred years later. And even here it states that from his progeny i.e. that the Promised Son shall appear from his progeny. And they further state that his advent cannot take place in this day and age. Hazrat Muslim anhu states that such people should fear God and focus on the words of the prophecy and ponder over it. 
The promised Messiah has written that allegations were being leveled against Islam, that it does not possess any power to show any signs. Hence, Pandit Lake Ram was claiming that if Islam was a true faith, then a sign should be shown. Likewise, Inderman was raising the same objection that if Islam was a true faith, then demonstrate a sign. Thus, the promised Messiah prostrated before Allah the Almighty and supplicated that, O Lord, demonstrate a sign that convinces these people of Islam who seek a sign and show such a sign which would convince people like Indraman Muradabadi about Islam. But despite this, those who object to the prophecy and say that it was to be fulfilled three to four hundred years later, they claim that when the promised Messiah offered this prayer, God Almighty responded with the glad tiding that he will grant him a son whose birth will take place 300 years later as a sign of the truthfulness of Islam. Is there anyone in the world who can consider this to be of any logic? This indeed is very irrational and it is equivalent to the example of a thirsty person who knocks on someone's door for help and says that brother I am extremely thirsty, please grant me some water for the sake of God. And the person inside the house responds that sir worry not, I have sent a letter to someone in America and he will send the essence of a sweet drink of high quality by the end of the year and I will prepare that drink and grant it to you next year. In fact, even the most insane person would not attribute such a statement to God and his messenger sallallahu alaihi wasallam. Hazrat Muslim ta'ala anhu further states that Pandit Lekram, Munshi Inderman Muradabadi and the Hindus of Qadian were saying that to claim that the God of Islam has the power to show the world a sign is false and baseless and that if there was any truth to this claim, then a sign should be shown. Hence, the promised Messiah والسلام, submitted before Allah the Almighty, supplicating, O Allah, I pray to you that you manifest to me a sign of your mercy, and grant me a sign of your might and nearness. Hence, this sign must surely have been manifested in the very near future, whilst those people who demanded it were still alive. And so, this is exactly what came to pass. When I was born in 1889, in accordance with the divine prophecy, those who had asked for a sign of the promised Messiah were still alive. Hence, as I grew older, more and more signs of Allah the Almighty continued to be manifested. Therefore, it was necessary for this sign to be manifested in the lifetime of the promised Messiah and also in the lifetime of those who raised allegations against Islam and who asked for this sign. And indeed, this sign was fulfilled. It is also very important for us to understand the purposes of this prophecy and also why there was a need for these objectives of the prophecies to be fulfilled in the lifetime of the promised Messiah I have just briefly mentioned some and it is also important to know why it was necessary for this sign to be fulfilled in the physical progeny and bloodline of the promised Messiah and through the son whose biological father was the promised Messiah Then, whilst describing these objectives, in one instance, Hazrat Muslim ta'ala anhu states that the promised Messiah wasalam, wrote in one of his announcements of 20th February 1886 
that God Almighty has disclosed to me that this sign, which was shown to the world, has a number of objectives. Firstly, this sign has been manifested so that those who desire life shall be saved from the claws of death, and those who are buried in their graves shall emerge once more. In other words, life shall be given to those who have become spiritually dead. The Promised Messiah further explains that if it is assumed that this prophecy is to be fulfilled after 400 years, it shall therefore mean that I have made this prophecy so that those who desire life today should remain in their state of death and only be granted life after 400 years. However, this notion is clearly incorrect. The Promised Messiah further explains that this jillah, a praying in seclusion for 40 days, has been performed in order for a living sign of God Almighty to be shown to those who reject Islam and so that those who reject the miracle of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, be given a new and marvellous proof of the fact that Allah the Almighty manifests signs in support of Islam and the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, even now. The revealed words which shed light upon the purpose of this prophecy are as follows. And they are, that God has spoken so that those who seek life may be saved from the claw of death and that those who are buried in graves may come out of them. Therefore, if we were to accept the notion of these people to be true, i.e. that the Muslim old, i.e. the promised reformer was to come after three to four hundred years later, then this sentence would mean that this prophecy was only made so that those who desire life today should remain dead and after four hundred years some from among their progeny shall be given life. How can anyone then accept such a notion? The second purpose of this prophecy is that the excellence of the religion of Islam and the dignity of the word of God be made apparent to the world. And it is clearly evident that the meaning of this sentence is that in this time people are not fully aware of the excellence of Islam and nor is the dignity of the word of God clear to them. However, According to such individuals, it means that Allah the Almighty made this prophecy so that the excellence of the religion of Islam and the dignity of the word of God will be manifested after three to four hundred years, when these people will have died and their children will have died and their progeny will also have died. The excellence of the religion of Islam and the dignity of the word of God will only be manifested to the people when there will no longer be Pandit Lekram or Munshi Indarman Muradabadi and nor their children, or even the progeny after them. Thus, tell me then, can anyone accept such an interpretation to be correct? Do these people not possess any understanding? The Promised Messiah further states that the third purpose of this prophecy is so that the truth may come with all its blessings and falsehood may disperse with all its ills. The meaning of this is clear, that in this time truth is in a weak state and falsehood is prevailing. And Allah the Almighty desires for such a sign to be shown, so that the enemies of Islam be silenced through irrefutable logical and rational arguments, and so that they be left with no choice but to accept that Islam is the truth, and that all other religions that stand in opposition to it are all false. The Promised Messiah states that the fourth purpose of this prophecy is that people may know that God is mighty and powerful and does what he wills. Now it is worthy to note 
that how could people understand that God is powerful if it is assumed that this sign will be manifested three to four hundred years later, through which they will be compelled to accept that the God of Islam is mighty and powerful. How can Pandit Lekram give this prophecy any importance? Furthermore, how could the conclusive argument be made to those who were criticizing Islam in that time, i.e. during the time of the promised Messiah and deeming the signs of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, to be false and claiming that Islam is a dead faith? If after 400 years they shall begin to understand that Allah the Almighty is all-powerful, how could the fulfillment of this prophecy after 400 years convince them that God is mighty and powerful? In fact, they will say that they cannot accept the verbal claims that this shall come to pass after 400 years. In fact, anyone can make such a claim. But the true significance of this is when a sign is actually shown at the time and it is proven that the God of Islam is indeed mighty and powerful. Hence, this is why the sign was meant to be fulfilled during the lifetime of the promised Messiah the promised Messiah then further states that the fifth purpose of the prophecy made is that people may be convinced that Allah the Almighty is with me. In other words, that Allah the Almighty is with the promised Messiah If this prophecy was to be fulfilled after 400 years, how then could the people in that era be convinced that Allah the Almighty was with the promised Messiah then the promised Messiah states that the sixth purpose of this prophecy is that those who do not believe in God and reject his religion and his book and his holy messenger Muhammad may witness a manifest sign for themselves. Again, this would mean that those who reject Islam in this era, in other words during the time of the promised Messiah was making this prophecy, that they shall receive a clear sign in support of the truthfulness of Islam. But they should only witness this after 400 years when the people in this era, rather their children and their grandchildren too, shall have passed away. So this too defies logic. Then, the seventh purpose that the promised Messiah has stated is that this prophecy has been made so that the way of the offenders may become manifest and that it be made known that they are liars. How therefore can anyone after 400 years discern if these offenders were lying? Thus, this prophecy referred to the promised son, i.e. Muslim Ma'ud, being from among the promised Messiah Islam's children, just as the prophecy states that he would be of your seed and will be of your progeny. This does not mean that he would be from among the later progeny of the promised Messiah rather it referred to a son of the promised Messiah and this was magnificently fulfilled. The 52-year span of Hazrat Muslim Anhu's Khilafat was like a bright star illuminating the world. And even those outside of the Jamaat acknowledge Hazrat Muslim Anhu's knowledge and insight. And details of this can be found in the literature of the Jamaat. And if I begin to speak on this now, it would require a lot of time. Hazrat Khalifat al-Masih II Anhu has stated in his own words that he was the Muslim Aud, i.e. the promised reformer. And some people raised an allegation that Hazrat Khalifat al-Masih II Anhu did not announce that he was the Muslim Aud. But he made this announcement in 1944 and during this announcement he said that I say this after taking an oath in the name of Allah the Almighty 
that I am the Muslim Ma'ud, i.e. the promised reformer, referred to in the prophecy, and God Almighty has made me the embodiment of the prophecy foretold by the promised Messiah, alayhi salatu wassalam. Whosoever thinks that I have fabricated this claim, or have lied or uttered a falsehood in any way, they ought to enter Mubahila, i.e. prayer duel with me, or he ought to swear by God in a manner whereby speaking a lie would incur divine punishment, that he had been informed by God Almighty that I had lied. In such a case, God Almighty would send down a heavenly decree himself as to who is lying and who is speaking the truth. However, no one from among the opponents of Hazrat Muslim came forward to accept the challenge, and neither those members of the Jamaat who later separated themselves. Hazrat Muslim further states that if they assert that the dream had come true as Misri Sahib had stated, there were certain people who turned away in apostasy, then they ought to write an essay outstanding its truthfulness. I will in turn also write an essay and I am convinced that if they accept this challenge, they would suffer such a humiliating defeat that they would remember it for decades to come. Thus, through His grace and mercy, God Almighty has informed me by way of divine revelation that the prophecy for which people were eagerly anticipating has been fulfilled through this humble one. God Almighty has now sent down conclusive evidence for the enemies of Islam to plainly see that Islam is the true religion of God and Muhammad is the true messenger of God and that the promised Messiah is also the true appointed one of God Almighty. Those who assert that Islam is a false religion are themselves lying and those who claim that the Holy Prophet peace be upon him was a liar are the ones who utter falsehood. Hazrat Muslim further states, Through the fulfilment of this grand and magnificent prophecy, God Almighty has demonstrated the living proof of the truthfulness of Islam and the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him. Hazrat Muslim further states, that who had the might and strength to make a prophecy in 1886, exactly 58 years ago, that they would be blessed with a boy within a period of nine years, and that boy would grow rapidly in stature, his fame will spread to the ends of the earth, and he would propagate the message of Islam and the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, far and wide. And he will be fulfilled with secular and spiritual knowledge, and the honour and dignity of God would be manifested through him, and that he would be a living sign of the power and mercy of God Almighty, as well as proof of his nearness. No human could have foretold this from his own accord, rather it was God Almighty who foretold this news, and it was God himself who ensured its fulfilment through that person. Hazrat Muslim is referring to himself and says that God ensured the fulfillment of this prophecy through an individual regarding whom the doctors were concerned whether he would even survive or that he would not live a long life. In other words, with regards to Hazrat Muslim health, in his early years, doctors were concerned whether he would even survive. Nevertheless, with regards to himself, Hazrat Muslim says, that in my childhood years, my health was so frail that at one stage, Dr. Mirza Yaqub Beg Sahib mentioned to the promised Messiah wasalam, that I have developed tuberculosis and thus I ought to be sent to a mountainous region. Subsequently, the promised Messiah wasalam, sent me to Shimla. However, when I went there, I felt homesick and returned after a brief stay. There was not a single day in which I did not suffer from one ailment or another, yet despite this, God Almighty granted me health and he kept me alive in order to manifest the fulfillment of this prophecy through me and provide the people with proof of the truthfulness of Islam and Ahmadiyyat. Furthermore, this humble one was such that I did not attain any secular knowledge. Yet Allah the Almighty sent down his angels 
in order to bestow that knowledge to me and he instilled such knowledge of the Holy Qur'an within me that no human could have ever perceived of those meanings. The knowledge that God Almighty granted to me and the spiritual fountain that flowed within me was not as a result of my own thoughts or ideas. Rather, it is so comprehensive and sound that I issue a challenge to the entire world that if there is anyone on the face of the earth who claims that God Almighty taught him the knowledge of the Holy Qur'an, then I am ever ready to challenge such an individual. This was the challenge issued by Hazrat Muslim and he further states that however I am aware that God Almighty has not bestowed knowledge of the Holy Qur'an to anyone on this earth other than myself. God Almighty granted me knowledge of the Holy Qur'an and in order to teach the Holy Qur'an in this era, he has appointed me as the teacher of the entire world. God Almighty has appointed me so that I may propagate the message of the Holy Prophet peace be upon him and the Holy Qur'an to the ends of the earth and ensure that Islam prevails once and for all over every false religion of the world. Hazrat Muslim further states that the entire world can gather all their strength and might, whether they are Christian kings or if Christian governments join them. And even if Europe and America join forces, or if the most powerful and wealthiest nations unite together in an attempt to stop me achieving my goal, I swear by Allah the Almighty, that all their efforts will be in vain and they will be defeated. God Almighty will accept my prayers and efforts and destroy all their schemes and deceptive ploys. Hazrat Muslim then further states that in order to prove the truthfulness of this prophecy, God Almighty will establish the honour of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, and Islam through me or my followers. And he will not forsake Islam until its full grandeur and glory is restored throughout the world, and until the time that the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, accepted as a true and living Prophet. Thus, this was not an ordinary announcement, and as mentioned earlier, each day of Hazrat Muslim Anhu's 52-year Khilafat is proof of the glory of this prophecy. Hazrat Muslim Anhu then further states, O my friends, I require no honour for myself, and nor do I expect to live for many more years, except what God Almighty reveals to me. In other words, Hazrat Muslim does not say that he wishes to continue living for a particular amount of time. But he states that indeed if I am in need of something, then that is the grace of God Almighty. I have full conviction that in order to restore the honour and glory of Islam once again, and my former or future endeavours will shall play a part, God willing, in defeating Christianity, and my steps will be counted amongst those who crush the heads of Satan, as it were, and bring an end to Christianity. Hazrat Muslim then further states that God willing I shall manifest the truth for the entire world to see. This sound you hear is the voice of God Almighty, Lord of the heavens and the earth. This is the will of God and this truth can never be averted, never be averted and never be averted. God willing, Islam will most surely prevail over the world and Christianity will be conquered. 
No support can save Christianity from my onslaughts, and God Almighty will defeat them through my hands. Either in my lifetime it will be crushed in a manner that it will not have the power to recover, or then through the seed that I plant, where those trees will flourish that will reduce Christianity to nothing more than a dried-up shrub, and the flag of Islam and Ahmadiyyat will wave aloft in all four corners of the world. Hazrat Muslim then further states that at this point in time where I give you glad tidings that God Almighty has fulfilled the prophecy of the promised Messiah regarding Muslim Aud, i.e. the promised reformer, at the same time I would urge you all to be mindful of your responsibilities. And the same responsibilities fall upon us as well. The primary responsibility lies on all of you who have attested to my announcement regarding Muslim Aud that you ought to reform yourselves and be ready to offer every ounce of blood for the victory of Islam and Ahmadiyyat. Indeed, you are free to rejoice at the fact that God Almighty has fulfilled this prophecy, and in fact I will say that you must certainly express your joy, because the promised Messiah والسلام, has written himself that you are all extremely fortunate. Hazrat Muslim anhu further states, that you may jump for joy owing to the fulfilment of this prophecy, as this will now be followed by spiritual light. Hazrat Muslimaud then further states that I am not stopping you from rejoicing, and nor do I stop you from jumping for joy. Indeed, you are free to rejoice and celebrate. Yet, in this state of happiness, I urge you not to forget your responsibilities. I was once shown in a vision that I was racing ahead and the world beneath my feet was shrinking at each step in the same manner God Almighty prophesied regarding me that I would grow rapidly in stature. Thus, it has been decreed for me to move swiftly ahead in all matters of progress. But at the same time, it is incumbent upon you all to move ahead swiftly and to abandon all forms of negligence and tardiness. Hazrat Muslim states that blessed will be the one who moves forward alongside me and continues to advance in the field of progress. And may God have mercy on the one who does not stride forwards owing to their negligence and tardiness, and instead, just like the hypocrites, they move away. Hazrat Muslim further states that if you wish to make progress and want to understand your responsibilities in the correct manner, then advance forward alongside me at every step and at every occasion, so that we may embed the flag of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, in the heartland from where disbelief has taken root, and eradicate falsehood from the face of the earth. God willing, this shall transpire accordingly. The heavens and the earth may move from their positions, however the words of God Almighty will always be fulfilled. May Allah the Almighty enable us to practically strive and spread the message of Islam to the corners of the earth and not simply just commemorate the Jalsa Muslim mode. We should not simply be content by taking part in the Jalsas, i.e. these gatherings, rather we should help further this mission. Moreover, we should strive in furthering those tasks for which Allah the Almighty sent the promised Messiah and who announced countless prophecies, among which is the prophecy of Muslim mode, i.e. the promised reformer.
I would also like to briefly mention something in relation to the achievements of Hazrat Muslim anhu. It is mentioned in the prophecy that he will be filled with secular and spiritual knowledge and I will briefly present just one aspect in relation to this. Hazrat Muslim anhu's books, lectures, speeches are all being published as a multi-volume set known as Awarul Aloom and many volumes have already been published and those who can read Urdu should read them. Also some of the books are being translated into English as well. And currently 26 volumes of Anwarul Uloom have been published which include a total of 670 books, lectures and speeches. Similarly, 39 volumes of khutbat e have been published which include all the sermons up to 1959 and there are a total of 2,367 sermons. Then there are 1,071 pages of Tafsir-e-Sagheer and there are 10 volumes of tafsir e kabir which contains the commentary of 59 chapters of the Holy Qur'an. The total number of pages of the 10 volumes of tafsir e kabir amounts to 5,907 pages. And the commentary of Hazrat anhu, which has not been published yet, has now been composed by the research cell and has been submitted to the fazl umar Foundation which has a total of 3,094 pages. I have now instructed the research cell to collate the additional commentary of the Holy Qur'an from the writings and discourses of Hazrat Muslimah which they have now started working on and up until now they have been able to compile 9,000 pages of commentary and the project is still ongoing. This was just a very brief overview of some of the works of Hazrat Muslimah Hazrat Khalifatul Masih III also gave an overview of Hazrat Muslimah's work during his Khilafat in one of his sermons. And I will also present the extract of Hazrat Khalifatul Masih III in relation to this. Hazur states that in relation to Hazrat Muslimah, Allah the Almighty had declared that he will be filled with secular and spiritual knowledge. In regards to this, I had collected many details. However, I can only give an overview of the information I prepared, which is as follows. One of the commentaries of the Holy Qur'an by Hazrat Muslim anhu is tafsir kabir This commentary of such a remarkable standard that if one were to even reflect on one aspect of that commentary, they will have no choice but to accept that if a righteous person was to simply present only that particular part of the Holy Qur'an with those ex- explanatory notes, then in the eyes of the world this achievement alone of his would be sufficient enough for him to be considered as one of the most pious and righteous individuals. However, in addition to this commentary, Hazrat Muslimah wrote many other books on the Holy Qur'an. And in my estimation, Hazrat Muslimah has written 8 to 10,000 pages on the commentary of the Holy Qur'an alone, which includes the 11 volumes of Tafsir Kabir. Then on the subject of Kalam, Hazrat Muslimah has written 10 books and treaties and 31 books and treaties written on the subject of spirituality and Islamic morals and doctrines and 13 books and treaties written on the life and character of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him 4 books and treaties on the subject of history 3 books and treaties on fiqh, or Islamic jurisprudence 25 books and treaties in relation to politics prior to the independence of Pakistan and India and nine books and treaties after the independence, fifteen books and treaties in relation to the political issues of Kashmir, 
and 99 books and treaties on particular aspects in relation to Ahmadiyyat and its various initiatives. And the sum total of these books and treaties is 225. By the time Hazrat Khalifatul Masih III may not have been provided with all the information, but now this detailed information has been provided which I have just mentioned. But in any case, Hazrat Khalifatul Masih III states that as stated that the words of the Divine Revelation state that he will be filled with secular and spiritual knowledge. When one glances at this aspect of Hazrat Muslim anhu's life, they will find that he possessed both secular and spiritual knowledge. Moreover, whichever book or treatise Hazrat Muslim anhu wrote, everyone stated that no one would be able to produce anything better in comparison. When Hazrat Muslim anhu took lead in political matters or gave advice to the leadership in political issues, even the staunchest opponents were left with no choice but to acknowledge his peerless competence. In short, there is a great depth of detail in relation to Hazrat Muslim being filled with secular and spiritual knowledge. And Hazrat Khalifatul Masih III rahimahullah states that I cannot even go into even one small aspect of it. In fact, I have just presented a very brief summary before you and will end at this. May Allah the Almighty send thousands of blessings upon Hazrat Muslim and may he continue to elevate his station. And just like the son of the promised Messiah, والسلام, may we also instill the passion within our hearts for the spread of Islam and may we be ever ready to serve Islam. And may we be counted amongst those who truly serve their faith and not among those regarding whom Hazrat Muslim stated that let it not be the case that the community is defamed in your time. May it not be the case that the future generations become those who dishonour the community in fact, may they continue to excel in serving their faith. After the Friday prayers, I shall lead two funeral prayers in absentia. The first is of respected Maryam Elizabeth Sahiba. She was the second wife of respected Malik Umar Ali Kokar Sahib, Rais Multan, and who also served as the former Amir of Multan. She passed away at the age of 86 owing to an accident. Inna lillahi wa inna ilayhi rajiun. Surely to Allah we belong and to Him shall we return. The deceased and her daughter were in a lift which had a malfunction and the mother was not able to survive as a result of the incident and her daughter also sustained injuries and is currently in hospital. Mariam Sahiba was born in 1934 and was originally from Germany and lived in Hamburg. She accepted Ahmadiyyat and did the bath in 1952 and was married to Malik Umar Ali Kokar Sahib. She later moved to Pakistan and after the demise of her husband, she returned to Germany and then again moved to Pakistan. Maryam Sahiba was part of the Blessed Nizam of Al-Wasiyyat and was very regular in her offering her Salat and in the observance of fasting. She was extremely punctual in her prayers and would pay particular attention to the timings of sunset and sunrise. She would regularly recite the Holy Quran and observe the fasts. Her children have related that she would tell them that she married their father in 1952 and the missionary serving at the time in Germany respected Abdul Latif Sahib did her bath and also led her nikah. After her marriage, she moved to Pakistan 
and her children relate that after moving to Pakistan, she lived together with Malik Umar Ali Sahib's first wife, Sayyida Begum Sahib, who was the daughter of Hazrat Mir Muhammad Ishaq Sahib. They all lived together, and she would always show great respect to his first wife. After moving to Pakistan, she began to learn how to offer Salat and recite the Holy Qur'an and a teacher was arranged for this. And the very first book she read of the Promised Messiah was the philosophy of the teachings of Islam. Since she was living in Pakistan, she was able to speak a little bit of Urdu and Saraiki and also understand it. Maryam Saiba had two children, a son and a daughter. And when the time came for her children's marriage, she left the decision with Malik Saib's first wife, Sayyida Begum Saiba, who was elder than her, and stated that she should choose whatever marriage proposal she felt was best. Her son is Tariq Ali and daughter is Taira. May Allah the Almighty grant her his forgiveness and mercy and elevate her station. The next funeral is of Jahid Faris, who passed away at the age of 12. Inna lillahi wa inna ilayhi rajiun. Surely to Allah we belong and to him shall we return. The deceased was the son of Tariq Nuri and Atiyatul Aziz Khadija. The maternal grandfather of Jahid was Farooq Ahmed Khan, who is the eldest paternal grandchild of Hazrat Nawab Amtul Hafiz Begum Sahiba. His grandfather, Farooq Ahmed Sahib, and along with many other friends of the deceased, have written that he possessed many qualities. He was extremely well-mannered and had great love for Khilafat. He would always regularly write to me, whether it was for his exams or any other matter. He was extremely proud to be an Ahmadi, and to announce one is Ahmadi in schools in Pakistan is indeed a significant thing. He would regularly listen to the sermons. The deceased was part of the Vakfino scheme and would attend the Vakfino classes and had also memorized the Vakfino syllabus for his age. He was currently learning the Qasida of the Promised Messiah He would regularly take part in contributing towards Tehreek Jadid and Waqf Jadid and he would regularly go to the Namaz Center to offer his prayers. He paid particular attention towards the congregational prayers and would regularly recite the Holy Quran after Fajr prayers. Many of his friends have also written that he had a very beautiful voice. The deceased was a seventh-year student, and due to a house fire from a generator, he also sustained burns from the fire. The doctors had initially said that his condition was improving and the wounds were improving. However, he contracted an infection, or perhaps due to some other factors. His organs began to be affected owing to the infection, and he passed away in hospital. He was a young child and indeed children of this age are innocent and enter paradise and may Allah the Almighty grant him a station in the nearness of his loved ones. He was brought up by his mother on her own 
and his father separated from them and had kept no contact with them whatsoever. He was brought up by his mother and his maternal grandparents. May Allah the Almighty also grant them patience and steadfastness to bear this great tragedy. The child's maternal grandmother was Tahira Begum Saiba, who was the daughter of Mariam Begum Saiba, who, as I just mentioned, sustained injuries due to an incident in the lift and is currently in hospital. May Allah the Almighty grant her long and prosperous life and enable her to witness the happiness and prosperity of her progeny. Tariq Ali Khokar Sahib, who is the cousin of Jahid's mother, his son writes that one of his notable qualities was that during his illness while in hospital he would sometimes lose consciousness or become very drowsy and therefore would always ask whether he had offered his salat. He states that if I told him that he had not offered his salat yet, he would immediately begin to offer his salat whilst laying down. As I have mentioned, may Allah the Almighty elevate his station and also grant patience and steadfastness and strength to his mother and maternal grandparents. Alhamdulillah, Alhamdulillah, Nahmudu, Nastainu, Nastafiru, Wanominu, Wanatawakalu, Wanauzu, Billahi, Minshurian, Fusena, Wamin Sayyatian, Alina. من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له ونشهد أن لا إله إلا الله ونشهد أن محمدا الله رحمكم الله إن الله يأمر بالعدل واللسان وإيتاء ذي القربى وينهى عن الفحشاء والمنكر والبغي يعيذكم وَدُوهُ يَسْتَجِبْ لَكُمْ وَلَذِكْرُ اللَّهِ أَكْبَرُ